Well, once again, welcome Zoe Church. We're so glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are with us for the very first time. We're so glad you were able to join us. Hey, before we jump into the message, uh, I just want to remind you of something. Uh, we're going to be sending out some updates even for this next week, making some additions to what we're doing around here at Zoe. And so I encourage you, make sure uh, you are checking your email. If you haven't already signed up or you're not getting our emails, go to Stay Connected on our, on our page and fill out our Digital Connect card. We want you to be up to date with everything that's happening here at Zoe, all right? Well, I don't know about you, but one of the ways that our family has tried to stay sane during this season where uh, we're kind of stuck in our house a little bit more is we go for a lot of walks. You know, there's only so many times you can go to the refrigerator door. And uh, so we go for a walk. And like every afternoon, we try to go for a walk. We're walking around. And I see tons of people out there taking walks. And this happened just a, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, we were on a walk. And right in front of us, there was a young couple. And they had a little two-year-old who was, who was with them. And you could tell they were trying to go somewhere. They're trying to walk somewhere. Uh, but they had this little two-year-old that just kept getting distracted. And, and he just kept grabbing. He's grabbing dandelions. He's doing this. He sits down. He's laying down. He's doing whatever he wants to. And it's just he's not focusing on where it is they're trying to get him. And I was just laughing about it because I was thinking about when my kids were younger and we'd have the same problem. Or maybe you've had a dog or another animal that you tried to take on a walk in, and you've had that kind of thing happen. But as I thought about it, and I thought about this two-year-old, it made me think about spiritual and our walk of faith, how, how so often in, instead of going where we're supposed to be going, we can so easily get distracted by things off to the side. Things can take our attention and we get sidestepped from what it is we're supposed to be doing. The passage that we're going to look at today, Paul is encountering an extremely frustrating circumstance. To be honest, it's the kind of circumstance you and I would probably get pretty ticked off about. You see, what we see in Paul is Paul draws a line for us to show us what it is we're supposed to be pointed toward. Instead of getting distracted by the side issues, he shows us what is it in our faith individually as well as a, as a church as a whole. What is it we're supposed to be pointed at? And I know it's going to challenge every single one of us. At the end of the message this morning, there's something that God's put on my heart for us specifically, so I encourage you, stick with me all the way to the end. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, beginning at verse number 15. Uh, while you're turning there, just a quick reminder uh, that we are in our Bible reading plan. And so I would encourage you to stick with us. We kicked off the book of Acts this past week. Today, we are in Acts chapter 4. So if you haven't been with us, just start doing that today. Join with us, Acts chapter 4. Uh, we'd love to have you join us one chapter a day through the New Testament. But would you read our primary text with me, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that, that in a time when there's so much confusion in our world and, and it feels like we don't know what the truth is, God, your word stands the test of time. It is true. And there is something for us today. This word is so relevant for us today. So God, I ask that you would dig it deep into our hearts, that we would be challenged by this today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, well, just to remind you where we've been at in this series in, in the book of Philippians. Philippians is written um, by the Apostle Paul. And remember, Paul was a guy who went around uh, all around and he was planting churches from city to city. And he goes to the city of Philippi and he plants a church, a group of believers who are following after Christ. And, and he disciples them, he encourages them, he lifts them up, he raises them, and they're growing as a church. And, and Paul carries on. And it says in, in the things we've read so far that they've continued to have a relationship even though he wasn't staying there. And this letter that we see from Philippians is actually Paul writing a letter of encouragement to this church in Philippi. But where he's writing it from is really important. We saw this last week as Micah shared that he is writing this while in chains in Rome. He is under house arrest awaiting his trial before the emperor. And, and so because of this, he's not able to go around and share, but he's been able to write some letters. There's other letters that were written at this same time. And I think what's really cool is what we read last week is that although he is in chains, he says that the gospel is still advancing. He talks about the fact that he, he's being chained to palace guard and, and all this palace guard is aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he has been there. And, and it's one of those times where I think it's really easy for us to get frustrated by circumstances we don't like things that, were, that we were just wish that it was a different way. Well, Paul could say that, but, but it's cool that he says, listen, I may not like what's happening, but the fact is the gospel is still advancing. And if you were with us last week, Micah's big so what was this? The gospel cannot be stopped. No matter the circumstance, no matter what is going on, God continues to move. And I think it's really important for us in this time where we've been experiencing quarantine and in this time when, when we, we don't always love everything that's happening to remember the truth of what's been going on. During this circumstance, there have been new people, people who live in our community that didn't even know we existed, who have begun to engage in our church. People have begun to come to faith, come back to faith through this season. I'm hearing stories all around the world how the gospel is advancing during this time, right? And we may not love that we're not able to gather together, but hear this. At no season in the entire history of humanity has the gospel been preached more than right now. Through digital means, there are more people hearing the hope of Christ, and that should be something that inspires faith and joy in our hearts. Because remember, what was Jesus' promise? Remember his promise? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We may not like the circumstances we find ourselves in, but hear this. The truth is God's kingdom is still advancing, right? I get it because I'm with many of you. Some of you are, are really frustrated. You're frustrated about the fact that we're not able to get together. You're, you're frustrated about what that relates to issues of freedom. I get that, man. I'm with you. There's others of you who, who you're just stuck in isolation and, and you're beginning to get depressed and you're struggling that way, right? You're getting discouraged, and let's just be real, all of us are just kind of a little off right now. Even, even if you don't feel like, oh, this is such a big situation, we're all just a little off. None of us love what's going on. And I don't, I don't want to diminish any of those feelings because it's okay to have those feelings. But I want to remind you of the reality. And the reality is this, that Christ is still on the throne there is no virus, there is no financial crisis, there's no challenge with freedom, there's none of those things that can stop him. The gospel of Jesus Christ is alive, it is active, and it is advancing all around the world. There is hope in our world, all right? So we get to the passage that we're looking at today, and just before that, the verse 14, which is one that we looked at last week, I wanna read that to you, it says this, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have, begun, have become confident in the Lord 
and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, because I'm in chains, those who aren't in chains are, are feeling a greater boldness. They're sharing even more. The gospel is being shared all around because of my chains, right? He said there's two different people that are doing it. Now, there's some groups of people that are in a sincere place, right? They share Paul's hope. You know, they're kind of like kids. They're kids that look at their father figure and say, man, he's stuck in jail. You know what? Let's carry it on. Let's carry on the legacy of Paul, even though he can't do it for himself right now. And I'm sure those are people that just, I'm sure that warmed Paul's heart to see people doing that. But then he says, there's, there's some other types of people out there who are sharing the gospel and preaching Christ. And these people are more interested in just pouring salt into Paul's wounds. While he's stuck in prison, they're like, well, let's, let's take the spotlight for ourselves, right? Let's make a name for ourselves, right? Paul, he's stuck. We can go around, and if we start preaching, we'll be the important one. We'll be the one that everybody wants to pay attention. Their motives are totally wrong. I don't know about you, but if I was in chains like Paul was, and I was seeing this situation where people are just trying to pour salt into my wounds, I'd be pretty ticked off, right? Like maybe you're more mature than I am, but, but I'd be pretty ticked off. I'd be frustrated. I'd be angry a little bit. Like, what is these people problem? Like, what's their deal, right? I would be frustrated. But what was Paul's response? Look what it says in verse 18. But what does it matter? These people who are doing it for the wrong reasons, what, is, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You see, he seems content because at least the gospel is being preached. How is it that Paul can respond this way? Why is he okay with this? And, and honestly, a question I've had to ask myself is, how is Paul different than me that he could respond this way to a situation like this? I think as we look at this, we're going to see two things about Paul's life that, that are so evident and at the same time so challenging for you and for me as followers of Christ to say, God, help us to live this way. The first thing is this, is that Paul was dead. Paul was dead. Oh, he was still breathing. Yeah, he's in chains. He's not literally in the ground, right? He's not that way, but Paul is dead. See, years before this letter that Paul wrote, he wrote a, a letter to the Galatian church. And he said this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, he understood the call to follow Jesus. When Jesus said, hey, come follow me, what did he say? Come, you got to die. You got to crucify. You got to pick up your cross and follow me. You see, Paul was dead. You know, it's, it's not like some free genie. I know a lot of people come to Jesus and they, they want the genie, you know. How many of you remember the movie Aladdin? I remember seeing the movie Aladdin when I was a kid, you know, and, and they had the remake just recently. And I remember when I was a kid, first off, I really wanted the magic carpet. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how cool would the magic carpet be? That would be amazing, right? Okay? But more than that, when I was a kid, I would dream someday that I would stumble across a lamp you know, and get my genie who'd answer my three requests and give me my three dreams. And how amazing would that be, you know? And I think we all have that desire, wish that would happen. But sometimes I think people come to Jesus hoping he's their genie. You see, Jesus, he doesn't call us to come, come, let me be your genie. He says, come, let me be your Lord. 
Let me be your king. You want to come after me? You want to follow me? Oh, there's good things. Man, there are such good things available. There is life. There is grace. There is hope. There is joy for you. But hear this. It's not on your terms. It's on mine. I came to be your king. You see, I think this is where we can get off sometime. And Paul understood this. He understood that that it's not about him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this in one of his famous books. He, he was under persecution from the Nazi regime. He says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And Paul understood this. But I think this is something that you and I, that we still struggle with. I know I do because too often we are still alive. See, too often we are interested in our kingdom. We're we're interested in sitting on the throne of our own lives. How do I know that? Because we can get offended really easily, right? I think that's one of the plagues. It's one of the diseases in our society is is being offended. We can get offended what somebody says, what they don't say, how they act, the attitude they have, you know, just anything. What somebody does, what they don't do, any of these things. We can get offended by these things. And what is offense? It's us saying, I'm not getting what I deserve, right? It's saying to us, I'm still alive. And Paul should have been feeling that way. He should have been, why are they doing this? They should not be speaking this way. They're throwing salt in my wounds, but he didn't respond that way. Why? Because he was dead. It wasn't about him. And if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, then we have to die. We don't have the option to fight because we feel offended. No, that's not what a follower of Christ looks like. We lay ourselves down. We humble ourselves. We say, it's not about me, right? There's a second thing that Paul does, and I think this is critical for us to see. Paul was dead, but the second thing is this, that Paul's obsession was the gospel. Paul's obsession was the gospel. His priority in life was the good news of what God had done and was doing in the world through the work of Christ Jesus. Everything else came secondary to that. In fact, everything else in Paul's life only found its purpose in its relationship to the gospel, how it could further the gospel. Remember, the gospel was the primary thing. Everything else was secondary. And I think the challenge for us as individuals and the challenge for the corporate church is that very often we can get distracted. Just like that two-year-old, remember? The two-year-old just just picking weeds, you know, picking stuff, sitting on the ground. We get distracted by stuff. And instead of focusing on what is primary, we get focused on other things. And I'm not saying they're bad. A lot of times those things are good. It's just that they're secondary. They're not primary. You see, as a follower of Christ, We've been invited into a different kingdom. It's the reality. Not the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Christ. And with that kingdom comes a different priority. And if we're not careful, we can become obsessed with things that are less than, things that are secondary and not obsessed with the primary thing, the most important thing for us. Sometimes those obsessions and sometimes those things are are just the normal things of life, right? It can be relationships, it can be jobs, it can be careers, it can be just how we spend our free time, right? We can become so obsessed with these things that they distract us from what is primary and what we are called to as followers of Christ. 
We get really focused on normal life stuff. And I get it. I, I can be guilty just, just like the two-year-old. I can do the same thing. We can get so focused on the normal things. Uh, we can think, how does the gospel fit into my life rather than how does my life fit into the gospel? That's a totally different question. That's what Paul did. He said, listen, the gospel is primary. Everything else must fit under that. Uh, but it's not just the normal things of life that get in the way. There's other areas like politics that so often can distract us. Now, I think politics in America, and I'm sure you, you agree with me, that can be some of the most unhealthy and toxic thing in our culture, right? Now, some of you might get mad at me. You might say, yeah, well, aren't politics important for us? Absolutely. I, I don't disagree that politics are important. We absolutely need kingdom people fighting for kingdom values in politics. But unfortunately, too often I see kingdom people compromising kingdom values in favor of a political party or a political platform. And see, that's where we have to get very carefully. They can become so obsessed with the party that suddenly that becomes primary. And allegiance to Christ and to his kingdom and allegiance to the gospel is secondary. It gets thrown in the back seat. See, we've got to be so careful about that. I've seen it happen. Maybe you've seen the same thing happen online. I, I see people fighting for political dreams and values and aspirations, but they do it in a way that is so contrary to what it means to follow Christ. They throw out all things of kindness, of love, of care, of concern for other, of laying ourselves down, of, of assuming a position of humility. All those things get thrown out the door in order to fight for a political position. And I just say this, listen, it's okay to be passionate about that, but politics are secondary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's more than just politics. It can be anything that you are passionate, any value that God has put on your heart. And I know some of you, and so many of you in our church, there's so many of you that God has burdened you with something. There's something on your heart. There's a value that you hold on to so dearly, and many of those are God-given. But I just warn you to be careful, because if we're not careful, what can happen is we can toss the gospel in the back seat. And we make our value, our thing, that we're, our issue, whatever that issue is, we make that issue the most important thing rather than the other way around. You see, with Paul, he saw this, listen, I'm pretty frustrated with these people. I don't like the way they're acting, but listen, the most important thing is the gospel, that the gospel is being preached, right? We need to have that kind of a focus as a church. And so I want to ask you something. I want you to ask yourself really deeply, where am I at in my passion meter, right? Because hear this, if your passion for anything is hotter than your passion for the gospel, if it's hotter than your passion for lost and a broken world, hearing the hope and the life that is available through Christ, then you've got to be careful because it's possible you've become sidetracked. It's possible like that two-year-old, you've gotten distracted a little bit. Not with something bad. I'm not saying it's all bad stuff. I'm just saying it's secondary to what is most important. And as I looked at this this week, I know in my own life, I looked and said, man, God, there's, there's some areas where I can get distracted. It may not be all the time, but I can easily get distracted from what is most important. So I want to close this morning. I want to close with our, our big so what. I always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? What are we trying to say here? There's one point I want to drive at, and it is this, that Jesus 
people are gospel people. Jesus' people are gospel people. You want to call yourself a follower of Christ? You want to say, I'm a Christian, I I live for Jesus, he's my Lord? Listen, you don't get a choice on this one. The most important thing is the gospel. It's his kingdom. It's what he's doing. Everything has to be secondary to that. It's what gets the focus. The gospel gets the attention. Now, we don't all play the same role. We're not all sitting on a stage preaching every single week. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But Paul said this, listen, it doesn't matter what role you play. We are all called to be partners in the gospel. Remember that theme? We are all partners. Every one of us, the gospel must be first. It must be foremost in our lives. I'm going to jump to the the back end of chapter 1 of Philippians. We're going to go to verse number 27 because Paul speaks something that is so relevant to us when he says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. God, that we would live lives that are worthy of the gospel, that we wouldn't live our lives in secondary issues, you know, focusing on things that don't matter, but instead we would live lives that are worthy of the gospel. You have been saved. You've been redeemed. If you are a follower of Christ, your past has been washed white as snow. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's live lives worthy of that gospel, that we would share that gospel with those around us, that we wouldn't get sidetracked with things that are secondary. They may be important, but they are secondary to the hope that people can find in Christ. May the way we speak, may the attitude we have, the way we react to people, the way we respond, the way we love, the way we share the hope we have, the way we live as neighbors in the world, as coworkers in the world, as classmates in the world, the way we operate on social media, may we do it in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Would we speak in ways that are worthy of the gospel? That's the challenge Paul has for us individually. But he goes on from there and he shares something corporately when he says this. He goes, he goes on, he says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Listen, if there is one unifier in the church, it should be the primacy of the gospel. That it is primary. Nothing should overshadow the gospel, okay? It is what is most important. You call yourself a follower of Christ, that is what is most important. And I just, I just feel that I need to say this right now to us as a church, that we are at a critical time in the history of, of Zoe Church and in the history of the church at large. Because right now, specifically in America, we're in a season where we're, we're wrestling with some issues of freedom and liberty as it relates to our ability to worship together. And here's the problem. If I were to take a microphone and I walked it to everybody's living room right now, wherever you're at, and then I asked, what's your opinions on these ideas of our ability to worship together right now or our inability to worship together? If I was to ask your opinion right now, you know what I would get? I'd get a different opinion from every single person. I wouldn't be able to have unity around that from every single person. Why? Because we all got different perspectives. We all do. And and all of us if hopefully prayerfully considered those things. But the challenge that we have as a church is that we are called to unity. And the good news for us is that that unity doesn't have to be around our opinions about an issue. It doesn't. 
In fact, if that's what we are choosing to try and unify ourselves around, we are in trouble. You know who wins in that case? The enemy does. Why? Because he knows there's going to be a division. He knows there's going to be different perspectives. He knows we're all going to feel differently about that. But you know what? We are called to be unified, not around your opinion, not around my opinion, but grounded and unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is the gospel going forth? Look at what was Paul's example. Listen, I may not agree with everything. I might not like everything. But listen, there is hope because the gospel is going forth. And as we prayerfully consider, as leadership of our church, we consider, God, how are you calling it? Where are you leading us right now? Listen, I'm asking you, would we allow the main thing to continue to be the main thing? That the gospel of Jesus Christ is going forth. We say this all the time. We don't go to church. We don't do church. We are the church. Right now, the church is active. You and I have the chance to live out this gospel wherever we are, whatever we are doing, to prioritize sharing this gospel with those around us. That is our call. That is our mandate from Jesus Christ himself. Would we be that kind of a church? Hear this, people. Jesus' people are gospel people. That's who we're called to be. And as a church, that's what we're called to be unified around. That we don't let anything, we fight for unity in the body. Because there is nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to close this morning by asking you a very simple question. It's just simply this. Does the gospel have your heart? Does the gospel have your heart? There's a lot of other issues, a lot of other things out there that can take your heart. Does the gospel have your heart? Are you most passionate about the gospel? Or are there other things that are stealing your allegiance that maybe have become primary in your mind? I'm not saying they're bad. They may be very good. But are they taking the allegiance away from Christ and his gospel? I want to lead us in a moment of prayer, a moment of repentance, because I don't know about you, but this idea of repentance, it means that we turn away from some things, but it also means that we turn toward someone. We turn our hearts toward God. And so my prayer is that we would say, God, God, we want to get away from anything that would potentially cause us to compromise our hope in you, and our allegiance toward you. Would you join me in praying? God, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are good. God, we thank you that your gospel is always on the move. Your gospel is advancing all around the world. We thank you for that, Jesus. And God, we are asking right now that you would reveal in our hearts if there's anything in our life that, that maybe we have become obsessed with, we, we've given our allegiance toward, that we've gotten distracted by in some way. God, would you forgive us of those things? God, I pray that you would help us to turn back to you, that we would turn our hearts and our lives and our minds toward you. God, giving you everything, giving you our allegiance above everything else. God, that we would be dead. Like Paul said, he would be dead dead to himself. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It is about Christ and his kingdom first and foremost. God, help us to live that way. Continue to speak to us this week, Lord, we ask. Reveal to us how we can live for you in everything we do, Jesus. Pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got a challenge for all of us uh, here this morning, and I'll get to that in a moment, but I want to talk to those of you who maybe have never responded to Christ Maybe you said, listen, I, I'm hearing about this gospel, but I've never given my life to Jesus. I, I don't even know what that means. 
I would love to help you in the journey of faith. And so if you could do something really simple, just simply send an email to faith at zchurch.org. Faith at zchurch.org. I will respond to that message and I'd love to come alongside you and help you in this journey of faith and what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, But for everybody else, I've got a very specific challenge, something I want you to do, just a little activity that I think will help you in this journey. And it's this. I want you to sit down. Maybe you do it today, maybe later this afternoon or maybe sometime this week. Just take a couple minutes. And I want you to think if someone watched your life, if they watched your coming and your going and how you operate on social media and, and how you interact with other people, if they watched your life, what would they say you're obsessed with? What would it look like to them? And when you come up with that answer, you might have to ask somebody to help you with that, but when you come up with an answer, I want you to ask yourself this. Does that obsession serve the gospel or is it the other way around? Has the gospel taken a back seat to that thing? And I pray that as as you take that time to do that exercise, I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna begin to challenge you a little bit to say, okay, how might I live differently so that I can truly be a gospel person, living out this gospel. We say it all the time around here. We are gospel-centered. We want to be that way as a church, but I also pray that every single one of us would be that way individually. And this is a message, I think, that can transform us, and I'm praying for us people. We, we are together in this pursuit of focusing on the gospel no matter what goes around. I pray, God, help us not get distracted by anything that would diminish what you want to do and are doing in the world.